0: Marie, thanks so much for joining us today on the UWA Alumni Innovation Podcast.
1: Hey, no worries at all. I feel very honoured. Thank you.
0: Great. So Shark Tank, we'll get straight into it. It was said that you caused one of the biggest tank fights of the season, uh, going back a little bit now. And I would just love if you could walk me through, you know, you're walking down that famous hall and you're standing on your mark in front of the sharks and then yeah, that realization that all this hard work and your journey today, you're about to pitch up to, you know, millions of viewers. Could you walk me through those moments again and, and what that was like for you?
1: Absolutely. Those moments were terrifying because <laughs> <laughs> we had watched, I've been a fan of Dragon's Den, which is the original UK version. And then it obviously went to the US and the same, it's the same company, but they rebranded it as Shark Tank. So I had watched every single episode of Shark Tank before. So we applied and then I watched them all because we wanted to write down all questions and everything. So we were fully prepared. But watching every episode just made you more and more scared because they absolutely (laughs) shred some people. And we thought we were going to be shredded. But thankfully, our homework had paid off. But still, regardless, seeing those big doors open, going down, that long corridor with all the sharks but seeing all those sharks like, oh my god oh my god I'm actually on the set this is it it was it was exciting exhilarating but also terrifying because when you walk through that second double doors you have no idea are you going to be like totally shredded or is it going to be victorious so yeah, yeah. terrifying is probably <laughs> a really good answer <laughs>
0: And how long was that journey to Shark Tank before then? So talking about Sync Soul, which is the technology um, that that you've created. What was that journey? How long was that to Shark Tank? So
1: we we were... tinkering and trialing the design for many years in our clinics, you know, just getting gathering information, doing some R&D for many years before. But we officially founded the company in 2011. And then we went on to Shark Tank in 2014.
0: And then yeah. you ended up, so you had three sharks battling uh, for your company. You ended up choosing Andrew Banks. Um, we did. US-based millionaire. Um, and yeah, how's that been now? Well, I guess I uh, uh, really curious to know so you see them on tv and you look up to these you know really successful sharks now and the journey they've been through so could you maybe give you know the number one insight or lesson that andrew's given to you over the over that period
1: uh look he's given us so much insight and so much information and he's been a wonderful mentor he the one thing I've learned about him is regardless of whatever business is, family comes first and that's the most important thing. And he's got a beautiful wife that he's been married to for like 30 odd years. He's got, you know, stable friends, stable family. His kids are beautiful. His grandkids are beautiful. And he managed to become who he is whilst keeping that side all balanced, which is extremely Mm -hmm. rare because, you know, I meet a lot of very wealthy, amazing, inspiring women and men in business and you always find there's usually tragedy, which obviously you can't, you know, you can't always control, but there's, you know, sometimes broken families and, you know, broken marriages and the fact that he's managed to be where he is and who he is with having a stable family is been the biggest lesson for me. Um, And that's why work, work life and family life balance is absolutely vital that's the best yeah. thing I've learned from him. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, that's great. And I guess, so with you then, you know, talking of entrepreneurship, one of the big hype terms, so to speak, at the moment is, you know, this hustle yeah. mentality. And yeah, like you say, that, that's not all of it, but it's something that comes up a lot. How do mm-hmm. you find balancing, you know, your young family and your work? You've got three um, clinics <laughs> now yourself as, as well as think so. How do you find that balance with, your job and your roles and also looking towards the future and, and the goals you have but still maintaining that that balance.
1: Oh that it's it's really hard work. It's actually the hardest part of the whole job. You know what? Mm-hmm. Running three clinics is easy. Inventing and going through all that hustle with business, that was really easy. But when you throw in a few you know a few little kiddies and I've got three under six, it's yeah. that's wow. just that's just a whole nother world. It's because of the sleep deprivation. So when, so before kids, BC, I would easily step to one, two, three in the morning, you know, emails, American or UK meetings and whatever you had to do, hustle, hustle, hustle. That was easy. And you were very driven and motivated. And really all you had to look after was yourself and your husband or, you know, partner. And he was quite, quite well adapted to looking after himself so that was fine but then suddenly you've got this little screaming rat bag who will not sleep for pretty much any night especially the big important you know meetings that you've got coming up definitely won't sleep on those nights and then you're sleep deprived and then you have to try and claw back and you know do everything you're doing before hardest things. so I don't I, I think for me I'm very blessed because I've got the the most amazing husband who is very supportive and he's picked up the slack. I think if I didn't have him or if he had a job that really demanded a lot of him and he didn't have that ability to be flexible, I I think it would have been a lot harder or maybe even impossible. So I'm really lucky. Um, And going through all that, I had Rachel as well. So we always helped each other and um, we were both going through the same thing with young kids and doing it all together. So just, lots of understanding, lots of, I'm sorry. <laughs> and um, <laughs> yes, I'm going to be a couple of hours late or I have to go and have a quick 40 minute nap between these two meetings or honey, sorry, I'm going to be away for three days because I've got a conference and got to do the hustle. Yeah. You please look after the five week old, you know, that kind of <laughs> really hard, really hard, but you never know what you're capable of until you push and you, you, you figure out very quickly what your limit is and What's that? You know what you can do and what you can't do.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: always remembering that it isn't just you, because it is so easy to get so caught up in it. Because it's awesome, like you know, going on TV, going to these meetings, being invited at this conference, and speak here and do that. And and you know, you have to always pull back sometimes and go, hmm, you know what, I can't make it this time. But you know, thank you for for the honor and inviting me, but I can't do that. Um, I'm gonna have to focus a bit on my family. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, getting that balance going. But, yeah, I don't know, just yeah. testing, testing the waters and seeing how you go, I guess.
0: That's it. Uh, okay, great. And, and talking about Rachel, so Rachel Ferguson, she was your co-founder mm. with Sync Soul and went on Shark Tank with you. And I read mm-hmm. you met at the first day of uni. Way back when. We Could did. Could you speak a bit about your relationship with Rachel? I guess the role and importance of, of having that co-founder, it's spoken of a lot. Um, but I'd love to get your perspective on that. Sure.
1: Oh, look, Rachel and I were best friends, and we did everything together. So we met on that first day of uni, grew up together. She was godmother to my um, my eldest. I'm godmother to her eldest, um, and doing it just seemed natural. It's oh god, it was the most incredible journey, and got, having to share, having a co-founder or a partner has its advantages and it also has its disadvantages the, the advantages are phenomenal you've got your best friend you're at conferences together you sweat it out together you go through it together you're sleep deprived together you're exhausted together etc so you've got someone who's going through the same journey knows exactly what you're going through and you can be completely honest with each other um, i remember once we went to melbourne uh, we were going and visiting some of the universities there um, in dietary, And I remember I flew over and I fell asleep on the plane and I woke up and I couldn't move my neck. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God, I had this horrible cricked neck and just having her there help me carry my bag, you know just simple things having someone there as opposed to being by myself and completely spasmed and not being able to carry any of my luggage you know just physically having someone there um, for support it was always fabulous the
0: disadvantages
1: though is sometimes it can come become business it can be all about business and you lose that friendship which is really sad so it's Every time you meet up, it's always business talk. Every time you catch up, it's always about business. You lose that identity as being friends and you end up being more business partners, which unfortunately I hate to say that's ended up what what's happened between Rach and I, It's um, which is sad, which is really sad. But, you know, it's just a different relationship. But, yeah, having a partnership definitely has, has its pros. You do have to think very carefully about it. I would never recommend going through Um, And losing that beautiful friendship that we have and becoming more business, I wouldn't, personally, I wouldn't um, ever consider going into a business relationship with a family member for that reason. But, yeah, if if I do it again, but, yeah, I don't know. I miss, you know, you miss your friend. You miss, yeah, that that innocence before all the busyness and the the business, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah.
1: Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, it does. (laughs) It makes so much sense. No, it does. And thinking back to your time in uni, what were you like during that time? Have you always had this entrepreneurial spirit to you? Or is that something you've developed?
1: Myself? Oh, definitely. I've always had it. Always. My, My father's my biggest inspiration. He's a GP. And in my opinion, and of course, I'm biased, he is the most incredible human being I've ever met. Not only is a GP, he has... He's also a GP obstetrician. He became one of the first travel clinics in WA. He is the most innovative, leading, like every week he goes to at least one or two continuing education meetings. And he's been like that since day dot, not just when APRA, which is the governing body, you know, made it mandatory. He's been doing that his whole life. He's always looking for innovation. He's always um, happy to listen and learn. And I grew up with that and watching him and watching him excel. So he, yeah, he's, he's incredible. And he always taught me, he had five daughters. So I'm the eldest of five girls wow. and he came straight from Egypt, which is quite a restrictive com- country when it comes to women, gener- in generally speaking, generally speaking. So, so to come from that country and then have five daughters and encourage them or educate them all and encourage them all that they could be literally whoever they wanted to be was really cool so from a very young age he said "There, you know we can we can do whatever we want and that's how we were brought up but watching him build his practice watch him working so hard watching him innovate and further studies and always teaching UWA students he's actually one of the GPs that the UWA med students come and do their pracs with Yeah, I've always wanted to do something contribute to the world and be better and improve and innovate. So, yeah, always been like that. (laughs) It's a disease, really. Yeah, (laughs) I had no other choice. It was too cool.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. So, and have you seen that with your other sisters for your whole family?
1: Oh, all of us. It's really bad. So only, there's only, so there's five of us, three of us own our own businesses. And have exceeded extremely, extremely well. The other one is only twenty-seven ish, and she's an executive in high up in the government. In you know, she's an accountant, and then um, the other one is also a really successful accountant. So we've all either own you know, all self-employed, amazing, you know, businessmen business women, sorry I should say business (laughs) women, or we've just totally, totally um, excelled at whatever field that we've chosen. So, you know, dad did very well. Very much so. That's Mm.
0: amazing. That's amazing. And looking forward, so you you've got these three clinics now and you know you're speaking about the impact you want to have looking into the future, where do you see yourself? You know, what what's that big goal, um, the big dream? You want to you take your business and, and your family and life, life too?
1: Oh, look, I don't know, actually, to be honest with you. At the moment, life is pretty, pretty amazing. We've got pretty much everything that we, that, you know, everything that you kind of need. I'm, I mean, there's always room for expansion. There's yeah. always room um, um, for other things later on. Definitely further studies, uh, for sure. There's, um, there's a lot going on there. That's in the pipework for both for both my husband and I. Business wise, everything's pretty amazing. So um, just keep tracking. Uh, more holidays, uh, getting more that work that life balance. You know, I've been we've been doing it hard and going at a hundred percent for so many years now. It's been what eight years of um, hardcore, <laughs> going full throttle with three kids. So I missed out a lot of the childhood. That's the one big sacrifice is I missed out a lot. I, I barely saw Lexi, my eldest daughter, because it was all, she's only a year when all this amazing Shark Tank stuff happened. So I missed out a lot on her and some of my second son, Ben. So yeah, trying to do play catch-ups is, is the thing on the agenda and make them the most of this because they're only little ones and, I can give any advice is don't miss out on that and you'll understand when you get there Ollie it goes very very quick so yeah more more family holidays and enjoying things now and then ramp it up once all the kids are in school again
0: amazing I guess moving on to something a little bit different now and with your clinic so I know you've worked with a number of different Olympians and world Ironman competitors ultra marathon runners these really elite kind of athletes and and people that you would think would have these really high performance mindsets to get where they are. Mm -hmm. But you have this interesting relationship with with them where I'd imagine a lot of the time you're working with them, it's through injury or these times of vulnerability for them. Is there any insights that you've seen over your time, you know, working with these athletes during these possible difficult times for them or things, where things might not be going to plan and how they kind of get through those periods and how you, I guess. You
1: know what? It is, I, I, I was actually thinking about this not so long ago. I have this most incredible patient currently. Not only is he an amazing athlete, he's only the second in the world, in the world, FYI, <laughs> wow. who, has, all right, who has completed what they call the Fire, Ice and Water Challenge. And the only other person in the world that has completed it did it in 16-year period. My patient, um, his name's Jason Snell. I can tell you because he's he's publicly noted it, so it's not a breach of confidentiality. Jason Snell achieved the Fire, Ice and Water Challenge within three years, which is insane as opposed to 16 years. (laughs) So the Fire, Ice and Water Challenge is a... Fire is the 250 kilometer run in the desert holding an eight kilo pack. Okay. So you've got to hold all your food and all your, okay. oh, you're given your water as well, and you've got to hold that. So he said it was 12 kilometers, 12 kilos that he held, and he ran 250 kilometers. It's called the Marathon to Um So he did that. That was fire. Uh, water or ice. Ice is climbing Mount Everest to the summit. and you know that's no easy feat Mm -hmm. and then water he had to gain 10 kilos of body fat to do the channel swim uh the channel between england and france yeah so he did all those three events but i think he did the ice first i believe and then the swim had to gain the kilos for that and then he had to quickly shred that within a year to do the 250-kilometre run. So he presented to me in, the, in that third event, uh, well, just before the third event. He didn't give me much time. <laughs> bless his cotton <laughs> socks. He's like, I've got this event in like two or three months' time and I've got this car that was just, you know, it was, it was going to ruin it for him. So he wouldn't have been able to complete it. And I managed to get him better in such a short amount of time. Uh, with that extra pressure, but seeing him concerned, like it does, like you see them at, like you said, the most vulnerable, but you also get to see how driven these people are and how inspiring it is because this guy not only has, you know, you know he's got the mental endurance to get through everything, but he's doing it for a cause. So his son's best mate got hit, I think, glassed or somehow Mm. got injured and has a severe head injury and he's totally incapacitated. And this whole fire ice water challenge came to try and raise money, fundraise money for this guy to get him wheelchairs and get him stuff because unfortunately until you go through it, you don't realise that the disability service scheme isn't always fantastic. You don't always get everything that you need. So to try and support his friends, you know, this family, this is where it spawned from. Um, so for him, it was an extra worry that if he doesn't complete it, you know, he might be letting not just himself down, but this family that he's been trying to fundraise for. So it was inspiring. It was, it put a lot of pressure on me, but we managed to do it. And the good thing about these athletes is you tell them to do ABC, they do A, B and C to the (laughs) nth degree, which is great. Whereas if I get someone, you know, just randomly like you or anyone, you know, (laughs) not that I've seen you, you know, for the record you know, if I just get an average dog walker come in and you tell them do A, B and C, they might do A, they definitely won't do B or C. So it might take them a bit longer to get to where they need to be. Whereas a professional athlete, they've got that ingrained discipline and I guess they've got that motivation to hurry up and get back on track as quickly as possible. So I find them a lot easier to treat in some cases. So, yeah. Does that yeah. kind of ask your, answer your question?
0: Yeah, definitely. definitely. Yeah. And you're really, you know, you're recognised with Elite Podiatry for really being on the cutting edge of, of, of podiatry and the technologies and innovations you're working with. Um, I also saw that SyncSoul, one of the core values for the company is innovation as well. And I it's think true. for a lot of people now, because it's been used so much, it's almost getting that buzzword status. So I'd really mm. love to hear from you, you know, wh- how do you define innovation? What is that for you?
1: For me, innovation is not only meeting a need that is required or, you know, that that's out there, but it's trying to do it in a way that is different and smarter and more efficient than what's out there. So finding a gap in the market, not just fixing it, but fixing it with, you know, bef- like not, not just fixing it, but fixing it in a way that is just amazing like going above and beyond so not just going oh I'll just put this little block here and you know that will fix that little gap or that little hole no 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 I want it the best bloody block (laughs) that you can get then you know carve it to perfection and you know whatever is required and do it that that to me is innovation thinking above and beyond what anyone else might think um and doing it better but being smart about it making it more efficient making it making it cool as well not just meeting the basic need that's what that's what innovation to me
0: yeah that's great and is that where your continuous learning has come into it so i know you've got your masters of pharmacy as well Mm -hmm. um you lecture you you touched on before you you know you're an avid learner and you're curious is that where that plays into the innovation piece
1: probably i love learning the newest latest and greatest and like my father, (laughs) I blame him, but I thank him also. I love going to what we call CPD, so continuing professional development um, meetings in every sense, so in pharmacy and in podiatry. And it, it just helps open up your eyes to what's out there, what's the newest, what's the latest, what's the greatest, but not just for myself, but for my patients. I mean, I want to be able to offer what the latest and greatest is. I want to give them I want to be that, that professional that can, you know, just know that one little thing that, you know, no one else knows or that one thing that other people might not even consider and that's the thing that helps fix them or gets them better that, just that little bit faster. Yeah, I think continuing education is absolutely vital and I was so happy when UPRA brought in that for all health professionals, mandatory, you know, you have to do so many hours per year etc and even keeping it up god i've been going to conferences during maternity leave While you know regardless whatever piques my interest i always made sure that even if i didn't have to do it, i'd still do it anyway i think learning is awesome and there's still a lot more learning to do um they do stay three careers so i've got two yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I need a third so who knows but i will definitely be waiting until the kids are all in at least full-time school so that's only about three years away, two three years away, yeah. and then yeah, don't know. I can't sit here and twiddle my thumbs. So <laughs> it's just against everything I believe in. So yeah, yeah. D- there will definitely be something. And if I'm going to do it anyway, it'd be at UWA. Don't you worry.
0: And is there something you're you know particularly excited or curious about right now? It doesn't have to you know be work related. It could be something uh, completely
1: curious. Um, I would say um, nutrition and health. Is, is, is piquing my interest um with all I've got a lot of the school mums so a lot of my daughter's friends at school just you know with the whole celiac and um you know it's some gut health issues I think nutrition is such a huge and with whole fun ph- with every all my knowledge with pharmacy it's interesting I did pharmacy and I got turned off drugs which is really bizarre <laughs> and drugs definitely have their place don't you get me wrong I'm you know you know, drugs save lives and you know, I, and I'm talking about pharmaceutical drugs, not other drugs. Uh yeah, gut health and I think all that is really interesting to me. Um I haven't had the time to to really study it and learn, but it's so fascinating. So I so I'm Egyptian and as I said my father came straight from Egypt. So very, very ethnic family and our cooking and you know everything that my nonna used to make. It's interesting how they talk about bone marrow soups and all these amazing, you know, fermented foods is so good for your gut health. And I just chuckle because we've been eating, we've been blessed to have been eating and living like that for so many like our whole lives really. But I think it's um yeah, it's really cool. It's really cool. So without knowing it, you know, the poorer countries, i.e. Egypt and you know, other countries in the world that. Yes, I think it's cool. That's what piques my interest. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. No, that's great. Um, and of course, you know, other things unreli- totally unrelated, like TV. <laughs> I, love, I love watching documentaries and um, awesome shows. Awesome shows that are all on at the moment. I love this time of year. Get some. Get to watch some good TV whilst you're doing patient notes. And
0: <laughs> absolutely. What's the documentary yeah. you would recommend for people listening to to check out?
1: Oh, if you just, Netflix, Netflix is my favourite. So um, I think there are some awesome, awesome raw food and healthy living documentaries on that. Oh, tiny houses as well. I love the tiny house stuff. Would never live in a tiny house. Too claustrophobic for me, but I think it's pretty cool. That storage and compartmentalising and, you know, thinking outside of the box, innovating, figuring out how to do things, problem solve. I think that's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, yeah. And
1: designs. Grand designs—it's always
0: good. Yeah, grand design has been a guilty yeah. pleasure of mine at times. Yes, there you are. <laughs> so, a lot of people now, I think, are looking at entrepreneurship as you know a genuine pathway mm-hmm. to explore, and it's really exciting how much is starting to come out of Perth and innovation and innovators from here as well. So, for someone that you know might be finishing university or you know, even partway through their journey or looking to their second or third career, what advice would you give to someone looking to pursue entrepreneurship? Um, and as well as that, what advice might you have heard that you think they should ignore?
1: Mm, good good questions. Okay. Advice is to, before you invest every cent into something, I mean, we I. My husband and I put our wedding money in, you know, the gift, you know, our wedding money that we received, we invested into Soul. So that's how invested we were in that. But that was a big decision. And looking back, that was a really silly decision. Before you invest any more time into a concept, go and see an IP lawyer, an intellectual property lawyer, just to see and do the research. I know they cost money to do the search, but get them to do the search properly and make sure that you are in fact something that is new and innovative and how patentable, how well can you protect your idea, uh, what obstacles, and find out then and there. Before you got, get out loans, before you sell your house, don't ever sell your house, um, but before you do any of that, I think that's really, really important to go and go and do some research and find someone good, uh, maybe even go and see two. A lot of them do free consults, free first consults, Uh, So I think that's a really, really good thing to do. And that would be my top advice. And yeah, you know what? Go and see two. (laughs) It's worth everything because, you know, you don't want to just have the mindset of just one person. I think getting two people and, you know, asking the questions because just like with anything, if you're going to go for a surgery, always get a second opinion. Same thing with your business, especially if you're thinking of embarking on a new career or investing everything into it. Don't waste your time. I've seen a lot. Um, I've seen people who think that they've been innovative and then you just do a quick search yourself uh, and it's already been done and it's heartbreaking because you know they've sold their boat or they've sold this or you know put you know whatever sacrifice they needed to do. So I think that's the number one do. Um, the number one don't would be uh, don't sell your assets for your business. I think that's absolutely crazy it's very rare that you hear a success story within the business field and those that you do hear, you only hear because it's such a, it's like a unicorn. It it doesn't always pan out. I think getting a loan and, or finance is the smartest way. And of course you can tax deduct it, which is great. Uh, But I think that's, to me, the more financial, better thing to do rather than, Hey, here's my cash and, you know, let's pop it in. Cause soon enough you'll need more cash and then you will need more and then if you've got nothing to sell or nothing, nothing else to give, you're, you're stuck and then you go to the bank to get a loan and hey, you've got no assets. So I've seen a lot of people actually uh, go down that path and lose everything um, and the business can't proceed and just kind of fizzles out and dies. So for anyone up, you know, upcoming just, you know, if you're, if you're with your parents, brilliant, go and get a bank loan uh, get a personal loan, whatever whatever it is, um, or see an accountant and ask what the best way to structure things. I think accounting and getting all that foundation work correct is really important, um, like shares and directors and secretary. You know, what all that this stuff is also really
0: important. Yeah, that's some brilliant advice. No well, it been- really amazing to chat with you marie and really thankful for your time and all the insight you've given to myself and everyone listening to this podcast
1: anytime